Hello, and welcome back to the Rewatch Rewind. My name is Jane, and this is the podcast where I count down my top 40 most frequently rewatched movies in a 20-year period. Today, I'm going to be discussing number 21 on my list, Disney's 2007 fantasy comedy Enchanted, directed by Kevin Lima, written by Bill Kelly, and starring Amy Adams, James Marsden, and Patrick Dempsey. In the mystical, animated land of Andalasia lives a fair young maiden named Giselle, Amy Adams. She finally meets her dream prince Edward, James Marsden, and seems destined for the happily ever after she's been wishing for, but there's a complication. Edward's power-hungry stepmother, Queen Nerissa, Susan Sarandon, will lose her throne when he marries. Refusing to let that happen, Nerissa pushes Giselle through a portal to the live-action New York City, where she runs into divorce lawyer and single father Robert, Patrick Dempsey. Robert doesn't quite know what to make of Giselle at first, but as they become better acquainted, the two very different people start to care for and learn from each other. This episode, I will be joined by my dear friend Sophie Lesher, who made the art for this podcast and is also an enthusiastic Enchanted fan, so I knew I needed to have her on to talk about it with me. And we had a very fun conversation about this movie and Disney movies in general. But first, I'll give you the breakdown of when I watched this movie, since I tend to forget to do that when I have guests. Obviously, Enchanted wasn't out yet when I started keeping track, so I know I hadn't seen it before 2007 when I saw it once. Then four times in 2008, twice in 2009, once in 2010, twice in 2011, twice in 2012, once in 2014, 2015, and 2016, and once in each year from 2019 through 2022. It is perhaps a surprisingly romantic movie for my aromantic self to have seen 19 times, but it's so entertaining and well done that the emphasis on romance doesn't really bother me. So without further ado, let's talk about it. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Jane. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Not only did you make the wonderful podcast art, but you also came up with the name for this podcast. That is true. So it is wonderful to have you on the Rewatch Rewind. Thank you for having me. I assume that you asked me to talk about this movie in particular because I am a princess. Yes. <laughs> you are the most princessy person I know. It's funny because my partner, who has asked that I mention them in this podcast, was telling me last night when we were watching this movie that she thinks I'm the closest thing to a Disney princess she knows, which obviously she's biased. But I do have a certain kinship with Disney princesses, and Giselle is probably... Is she the first live-action one? Well, I mean, do we count Mia Thermopolis? Well, true. She is Disney and she is a princess, but I don't know if she's a Disney princess because she doesn't sing and she doesn't have a talking animal companion. Unfortunately, Fat Louie does not say anything. He gives sass. I will give him that, but he doesn't communicate verbally his feelings. But yeah, I think there has to be like a musical component to it as well. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. There's like a list of requirements. They also have to like, I guess technically she saves Genovia because she doesn't advocate her throne. Yeah, she saves saves it from the, the Baroness and Baron <laughs> the, <laughs> who just want to be on a postage stamp. stamp. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but we're here to talk about Enchanted. Yes. Which came out six years after Princess Diaries, I think. Mm -hmm. So I remember that I saw Enchanted in theaters twice. Oh, lovely. And the first time I was like, this is amazing, but also kind of sad because it was like exactly the kind of thing that I would have wanted to write if I was going to write a movie. And I was like, oh, dang it. They already did this. Oh, I hear you. Because it's just mm -hmm. such a perfect combination of like all the things that were great about particularly the Renaissance right. princess movies and the like classic princess movies and just sort of with a modern twist. And that was it was everything I wanted from a movie. It's funny because I was thinking and I wrote this in my notes. I like that it takes what was kind of funny about movies like Shrek in the like tongue in cheek where like you know, turning the classic princess story on its head a little bit and like poking a little bit of fun, but not in a mean way. What I think I don't particularly like Shrek, but its downfall to me is that it, it gets a little mean, like, you know, you're stupid for liking these fairy tale stories. And I think Enchanted does so nicely the like making jokes, making references, but also being like fairy tales are great and it's okay to believe in happy endings. And one thing that Giselle teaches the characters in the movie, Morgan doesn't really need this education because she she's already 
a believer. But she makes a good point of being like, it's, you know, it's okay to live in reality and have hard times, but you can also believe in happy ever after and dreaming and, you know, there's things to hope for. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think that the thing that makes Enchanted so great is that it's like sort of making fun of the tropes and turning things on their head, but in a very loving way. Right. It's very like, we love these stories. Here's a way we can kind of mess with them a little bit, but still like- Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're still great. So that's what makes it great. I mean, we could just end the podcast here. (laughs) But anyway, so how did you get introduced to it? Because I just saw it with my family the first time. I remember my uncle was there the second time I saw it in theaters. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, if I remember correctly, this is a movie that my parents saw without me, and I'm not sure exactly how this happened because my parents are not Disney people, and they're certainly not really musical people, although my dad did musicals in high school. But they saw it probably because, like, Amy Adams was in it and you know, they're fans of actors. And they were like, oh, this is great. This is something that Sophie would love. And then I was like, absolutely not. I'm never going to see it because this is something that my parents recommended to me. And people who know me know that I've talked about my parents did not have the best track record of introducing movies to me. There were several movies that they showed me that either were very much not my style or I was too young for. So I'm not sure exactly when I decided that I was going to bite the bullet and see this movie, but I didn't see it when it first came out. But it is everything that I love. It's a musical. It's funny. It's very sweet. It's got the family element to it. So yeah, when I eventually did see it, I loved it, but I haven't seen it very many times because I came into it sort of late. Yeah, that's fair. I I still can't believe it's what it's 16 years old now old enough to drive ridiculous that's horrifying (laughs) yeah oh man so one of the things that I absolutely love about this movie that I've noticed more and more the more times I rewatch it is all of the easter eggs and like little references to to Disney movies I know that when I saw it the first time I was with my brother who is like the biggest Little Mermaid fan. Mm -hmm. And it's soon as we see Robert's secretary, he was like, it's Jodie Benson. And like he immediately recognized her. So that's fun that we get the voice of Ariel gets a pretty big part. I noticed in the credits, Paige O'Hara's name. And she was the voice of Belle. Yeah. And it took me so long to find her. But she's like in the like soap opera that they're watching. I think she's credited as like soap opera vixen or something, which is very funny. Because I hadn't noticed her until you pointed it out to me. And then I was looking for her. And I when I found her when we watched it yesterday, the line that she has is like, how could I ever love someone who doesn't love themselves? And I thought that was so funny because that's very much... Belle's arc in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, exactly. And then you just get like a close up on the actor's face and he's like, you know, look into camera like on The Office. That was very funny. It was great. And also like if you listen to the background music, it's very Mm. like it sounds like the Beauty and the Beast music right there. And I think it's great Mm -hmm. because of course Alan Menken did the music in this movie and that's perfect because he did so many of the best the best musical Disney films and so that's great yeah and then there's also just like other really quick things like when Edward is watching the news and he finds out where they are like the reporter says the address of the building she says her name is Mary Eileen Casalotti which is like a combination of Mary Costa Eileen Woods and Adriana Casalotti oh that's lovely the like voices of the original princesses it's just very quick fun little thing yeah well and of course where he goes to look for her is at Bellinote restaurant, which is where they were. So right. yeah, I've I've written some of them down like in Happy Little Working Song when Giselle is on the floor scrubbing, there's little bubbles, which is a very iconic scene in Cinderella. There's lots of Snow White references with the apple. Nerissa obviously has a dragon form, which is like Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty. The ball ends at midnight and she has to eat the apple before midnight which is cinderella the opening of course has the the beautiful like storybook animation where the story opens which is very iconic yes like early disney and the narrator of the beginning and the end of course is our queen 
Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. This does count as one of the four movies that made it to the list <laughs> that she's in. So she's barely in it, but uh, oh, perfect. But yeah, I love that. There are a couple of Sound of Music references. There's a lot of Julie Andrews references because there's a Sound of Music reference. Obviously, when Giselle makes the dress out of the curtains, there's also when they get to Central Park before the big song, How Does She Know? She spins around in the middle of Central Park and she has her arms stretched out wide, which is obviously the opening of Sound of Music. And then the woman with the bird seed is charging to feed the birds which is a mary poppins reference so there are a couple little julie andrews easter eggs in there which is very fun yeah it's a big part of the reason why i love this movie (laughs) it really it was really made for me specifically is what it felt like correct yes they should have just said in the opening credits for jane this is for you (laughs) yeah that's really what it felt like yeah it's great yeah and then amy adams is like the perfect yeah disney princess and she she's so versatile like everything i've seen her in she's amazing and she's played characters that are completely different from this but i think this might have been like one of the first things that i actually saw her in Mm -hmm. but it was just like she is a disney princess in this like she perfectly personifies that and i i love that so much and not like she's Giselle is very exaggerated, obviously, because, you know, they're trying to hearken back to the early, like very emotive princesses. But it's never like even though she's super expressive and very naive, it's never like grotesque or like foolish looking like she's very believable, as you said, in this role. Yeah. Yeah. It's really impeccable casting. Yeah, again, because it's like, it's definitely got some parody elements to it, but it's like, it's still saying these princesses are real people. And I think that it's interesting that like, because obviously it's making fun of the whole idea of like, you meet and you get married immediately, but that doesn't actually happen in any of the Disney princess movies. Like nobody immediately gets married right after they meet. Right. And I think that a lot of times, especially like with Cinderella, Cinderella has like such an unfair reputation of like, it's like, oh yeah, she just does chores and waits around for a man. But if you actually watch the Disney Cinderella, like she has so much agency and she's like very strong in like breaking away from her situation and like her horrible, abusive stepmother. And and I feel like with this movie, it's kind of doing that. It's like saying like, Disney princesses are stronger and cooler than you think they are. And like Mm -hmm. Giselle is really cool, but it's like they've been like that the whole time. And this is just taking it to the next level. Well, yeah. And I just saw an interview clip with Eileen Woods the other day, who's, as you know, the voice of Cinderella, who was talking about that. And she was just like, if you look at the movie Cinderella is never she never says like oh I I want to find a prince and you know I'm going to the ball with this express purpose she has no interest in the prince she just wants to go to a party she wants to get out of her disgusting situation for a little bit and have you know a space to relax and she's been dreaming about not finding a prince but going to the castle she wants to travel she wants to be away from her oppressive situation and it's just happenstance that she finds this man and decides you know This is someone that I want to explore a partnership with. Yeah. So I think that this movie is sort of an answer to the people who criticize princess movies. And I mean, it is explicitly saying like we are turning this on its head, like especially when when she's fighting the dragon at the end. It's like this is a twist. Like usually it's the prince who does this. Right. But I think Disney princesses were always strong and so i think that this was such a good way of showing that yeah oh also going back to the references i do think it's amazing that adina menzel is in this movie and so like it's sort of a retroactive like she hadn't been in frozen yet right but like now elsa's in this movie too (laughs) which is so cool although i will say it is heart-wrenching that they had bell Ariel and Elsa in this movie and not a single one of them got a chance to sing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I mean, I know we're not talking about Disenchanted, but the song that they gave Adina to sing in Disenchanted was weak. Yeah, it's not the best song in that movie. <laughs> but I did I feel like there was an interview with Adina Menzel where she said that she was happy that she got to just straight act be in this movie and not sing because she was like 
I knew I wasn't just cast for my voice. It's like I was cast for acting too, which is cool. She's very fun to watch in this movie. Oh, absolutely. If we can, if we can take a moment to talk about Nancy, I feel like watching this movie when you're a kid is very different. One thing I think this movie does not do particularly well is have you know female friendships and and not pit people against each other because while Giselle tries to steer away from it I do think there is an element of jealousy between Nancy and Giselle for obvious reasons but I it's you know that's not my favorite thing and I wish there could have been a way to have them you know have this conflict over this you know love square situation without it turning into like Nancy feels threatened by Giselle but I think growing up is realizing that Nancy was never the villain in this movie and I I love her character I love everything about her from the first line she has when she shows up at Robert's apartment she's like hey girlfriend like (laughs) ready to kick it (laughs) I love it so funny yes I love her so much well and I think that like one thing is like yeah she feels threatened by her initially which is fair because she walks in when right she's like naked <laughs> on her boyfriend and she's like who the hell is this but i one thing that i really love is that at the climax when giselle is unconscious and edward is trying to kiss her and it doesn't work that he's like oh it must be you and robert's really hesitant and that nancy goes kiss her it's okay Mm -hmm. and i love that so much like she recognizes like Mm -hmm. okay clearly you guys have something like i'm gonna be fine with it rather than fighting and i love that and i i love that at the end she's just kind of like oh she left her shoe and then gets that great moment with edward and Mm -hmm. and that she gets a happy ending too yeah and she she gets to be spontaneous for once because you sort of get the feeling that nancy has like been this strong sacrifice you know i'll do whatever you want in order to make other people happy kind of person like she you know she's never really fought with Robert about like why am I not being like more integrated into yours and Morgan's life and now she gets to like run away to Andalasia and just like leave all of her responsibilities behind and have this fun adventure which seems to have worked out for her because 10 years later they're still together so yeah well and Robert is very wary of anything romantic because he was so heartbroken when his first wife left him right and so like he when he's talking to Jody Benson, he's like, I want to be very practical. Like, we don't need all of that stuff. And it kind of seems like Nancy does want that, but she also, like, respects that he's not into it and and is like, that's okay. But she gets really excited when she gets the doves and is like, oh, it's so romantic. I love that she says romantic. I know. I love, I love Adina, like, bringing her whole, like, Long Island upbringing into this character. It's very fun. Yeah, it's weird that I love it so much because it's so romantic and I'm not like that into romances usually. Right. But I don't know. I think that the way that this is done is so interesting that like everybody thinks they're on a certain path and then they're like, oh, actually, the way I thought this was going to go is not how it's going. Well, yeah. And it's all about, you know, making sure that it's the right person for you and making sure that there's not only comfort, because I think Robert does have to get uncomfortable in order to be with Giselle but there's there's more of a cohesiveness he's not like forcing Nancy to give up part of her personality in order to be together they're just like compatible so I do think that that doesn't necessarily have to be about romance it's about being with the people that make you feel the most like yourself which could be you know a message for all relationships not just romantic ones yeah well and it almost feels like Robert was suppressing part of himself as well yeah yeah so I think that Giselle helps him let go of that and be the true version of himself you get the sense like he mentions because Morgan is what six or seven yeah I think she says she's six and he mentions that he and Nancy had been together for five years so he'd only like been apart from his wife for like a year at this point and had a baby so from Morgan's you know infancy to her first birthday was the only time that he was ever without a partner. So I think there is an element of his relationship with Nancy where he was just like emotionally healing. And now he's mostly healed or, you know, on his way to recovery. And he is able to be his full self with Giselle, which is sort of sad 
you know, in terms of like Nancy not getting his full personality, but I do think it worked out for the best. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like she was okay with being there for him and when he needed somebody, but yeah, recognizes by the end of the movie that she wasn't getting what she needed out of that relationship. And right. That being spontaneous with Edward would be better for her. Right. And like you say, apparently it worked out because they're still together in the sequel. Yeah. Which is good. I hope they're happy. Yeah, definitely. I And I love that, that everyone gets to be happy except for mm-hmm. the villain. Right. But even the villain sidekick gets sort of a little bit of a redemption. Yeah. Nathaniel is a published author at the end of the movie. That's very fun. Yeah. Although in fairness, it's, you know, it's not Nathaniel, it's Peter Pettigrew in my head and it's not it's not prince edward it's it's corny collins <laughs> although you know james james is great in whatever role he does james marsden was the perfect edward for this yes when was hairspray hairspray was the same year okay yeah because i feel like i definitely saw this first so yeah i saw hairspray in theaters so oh. i think i like went with some of my camp friends because we had been listening to the hairspray soundtrack all summer and then when it finally came out we like went to see the movie together. But yeah, I, James Marston is fantastic. And I, I will say, as a lesbian, he's very dreamy. <laughs> he is, as you said, perfect casting. Yeah, he just he looks like a Disney prince. Like, mm-hmm. he's perfect for that. And I also like a lot of the classic Disney princes like didn't even get a name. So right. he's he's more developed than most of them. Yeah, as a character. And he has a full nose, unlike the prince in Snow White, who just has nostrils. <laughs> yeah, that prince doesn't have a name. The prince in Cinderella doesn't have a name. I know. We do get Prince Philip in Sleeping Beauty. He gets And he gets to fight a dragon, so he's good. The beast doesn't have a name. <laughs> yeah. We just have Philip, Eric, and I guess technically Aladdin. Yeah, but he's like the protagonist, so like right. that's a little bit different. Aladdin and Flynn are royal by marriage, not by blood. Yeah, well, and I've heard arguments that in Aladdin, it's kind of gender swapped and that Jasmine serves the function of a prince. Of the Disney prince, yeah. Yeah, so. But she's not a prize to be won. She's not a prize to be won. But anyway, so yeah, so I think that they did a great job with the princess, great job with the prince, great job with making them not end up together and that that made sense well and like it's funny i thought of you when i listened to the first song because the line in i've been dreaming of a true love's kiss is four lips are the only things that touch that's that's very (laughs) ace coded that's like no we're not gonna do anything else yeah you can you can kiss me but no tongue and we're not going to do anything else. <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, well, and there's a little bit of that, like, throughout the movie of, like, after Nancy finds them together. And mm-hmm. Robert's like, she thinks that you and I. And Giselle's like, kissed? <gasps> and he's like, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely <sighs> that. And then there's the part when they're shopping and Morgan says, you know how boys are. They're only after one thing. And she says, What? He's like, oh, I don't know. No, no one will, will tell, tell me. me. Well, good. No one should have told you the first thing, six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. What is, who is talking to you? Like, who is her babysitter? Because they need to be replaced. Also, that is, that is a very weird scene. Yes. When Giselle comes in and Morgan's by herself in the apartment. Like, how did Giselle get in? Yeah. Why is Morgan alone? How does she know where the Amex is in the drawer? <laughs> That because that's not something you tell the six year old because they don't have impulse control and where all the good stores are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the weird like product placement with the Ellie Tahari. Why is this the store we're going to? Yeah, they went to too many stores. Yeah, that whole thing was very weird. And then like, did she not get the memo that it was a costume ball? Right. She's the only person in there who's not dressed like a Renaissance fair person. And I'm like, is that because she thinks those clothes are normal? And so like the clothes she's wearing right. are like-, like her dress up clothes yeah yeah that's the only thing that i can think of because i'm like that dress is completely inappropriate for that ball (laughs) yeah from when giselle and robert say goodbye to narissa turning into a dragon is a very draggy like i i love giselle and morgan shopping together i think that's very cute 
The dialogue is weird. And then there's like that weird song that is also out of place at a Kings and Queens ball. They say it's a waltz and it's not in three, four time. No. And it's very weird. Like, I mean, I like that song by itself. Yes, but it does not fit in the scene at all. Yeah, I don't really understand what they were doing there. Well, and based on the bloopers, because I have the DVD, I've watched the bloopers many times, it seems like Robert and Nancy were supposed to have some dialogue while they were dancing that ended up getting cut because you see them like doing that and messing it up. So I feel like they just couldn't understand how they were going to get through that transition. Yeah, and like I get that they had to have some sort of weird convention for Giselle and Robert to dance together, but like how is this the pinnacle of your dance it's not a waltz it's a weird song and then you're having strangers dance together because ostensibly you didn't like come as a group yeah so you just have to ask a random person to dance with you for like the kings and queens waltz that's very weird yeah but and it's also like the song is about how we're, we're so close to reaching our happy ending but not and so it's like are you supposed to be dancing it with the person that you really want to be with but aren't like it's, it's very uncomfortable this is only for people in a love triangle or love square <laughs> and you can only come with the person that you don't want to actually be with but you're keeping it a secret yeah so then you're dancing this dance with someone that you're secretly or not so secretly because now everybody knows in love with. So like everybody goes home from that ball fighting. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay, divorced. I mean, it's a great place for Robert to show up because he's a divorce lawyer. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's really why he wanted to be there. He found <laughs> out what it was for and he was like, this is where I'm getting all my clients now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think a lot about the couple that was like getting divorced at the beginning and then like Giselle talked to them and they were all together. I'm like, do do they have a long term relationship or do they like does that last for like a few days and then they go back to fighting? Yeah, that would be good to know. I hope they made it work. Phoebe and Ethan. There's some weird like. Like, I get that Giselle's naive. I get that she was, you know, raised by forest creatures, but there are some like very uncomfortable racial and other minority group moments yeah when she grabs her hair yeah she's like oh so beautiful like no don't do that I kind of feel like because it's Giselle like she would have done that to anyone yeah it's just it's not in the best taste yeah I agree and then there's the scene at the beginning where the person walks underneath her dress yeah and she's like oh grumpy and it's like we did we need to do that was that necessary? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little uh, uh, uncomfortable. And like, I get, I get the point they were trying to make, like that she's just naive and doesn't understand the real world. But like, there could have been something else where she was like, "Oh, this is you know, fairy tales." Like, she could have been like talking to a mirror and it like not responding, and everyone was like, "What is wrong with this girl?" Well, I mean, like the knocking on the castle billboard thing kind of yes. does that. Like, that's funny. Yeah, that that works. Although. I have never seen a seedy casino in New York City. I don't know if they were confused as to where they were, if they thought they were in Vegas, but they're actually in New York. But yeah, that was very cute. Oh, maybe they were just advertising very far away or something. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, I think that part's funny. I also, it's so interesting how the animals still respond to her song in the real Mm -hmm. world. Like, why is that? Like, nothing else works the way she thinks it will. But yeah, one thing that my partner pointed out when we were watching it is how does Nerissa still have her magic? And also, where does she go? Like, well, first of all, she catches fire spontaneously. She spontaneously combusts when she falls off the tower. I'm not exactly sure how that happens. And then she just disappears. Does she also fall into the sewer grate? And if so, then she's still there when Edward and Nancy go back. Oh, yeah. But she just like disappears. She falls into the ground and then poof into sparkles. So I don't I don't know what happens to her. Yeah, I don't either. I I don't really understand how she's able to again still have her powers but maybe because like she controls the portal between the worlds. maybe andalusia is a very interesting land because they just have a portal in the middle of the castle courtyard and then they also have like wands that grant your innermost desires just lying around the wands can pull magic through the portal somehow and yeah i the sequel is confusing it's like in this one they don't explain some things but like to a certain extent, you can just suspend disbelief. Be like, okay, because magic, like whatever. It doesn't matter how this world works. And then 
in the sequel, they're like trying to get into how the world works. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, they don't have time for that, which is fine. I like the sequel. Oh, yeah, me too. It's just they weren't really sure what track they wanted to go down. I did like, and I noticed this on this rewatch, and Nancy, I guess, is like a designer or seamstress or something, because when she gets the dove flowers, she's like at her studio or whatever. And then I guess Giselle takes that over and turns that into yeah. Andalasia fashions or whatever it's called at the end of the movie. So that was that was nice. That was a little bit of tying up of loose ends, which I thought was lovely. Yeah, they really do take over each other's lives very well. Because like Nancy goes to marry Edward and do exactly what Giselle was gonna do and right. Giselle takes over her business, I guess. But it, it also makes sense because she clearly knows how to sew because she can make dresses out of curtains in like mm -hmm. no time right yeah Giselle's wardrobe is pretty incredible unfortunately we don't the the blue dress that she makes out of the curtains is gorgeous but she also has the like it's the dress that she's wearing I guess the day that they say goodbye so she wears it on her date with Edward mm -hmm. which by the way he's wearing like a hundred dollars worth of New York branded merchandise i don't know where he got the money for all of that well that's what i was thinking the whole time that that edward and nathaniel are there is like they're like eating out and like they're staying at a motel like i mean i know they're not going to like super fancy expensive things but how do they have any money at all still i mean chinese takeout in new york is like 80 bucks yeah so like they did they like because I'm sure he had things that were extravagant on him. Did he just like trade them in and be like, here, take this shiny thing? Like, I don't I don't know. They don't explain that at all. Although we do we do see Nathaniel doing some odd jobs like he's somehow in the kitchen at Katz's Deli when they have the confrontation with Pip. Oh, yeah. Because that's where they are, which is one of my favorite places in New York. That was really fun. So he's like working in the deli and then he becomes a cab driver somehow. And he's like selling caramel apples. When he also does brown face. Yeah, well, yeah, he's he's at the he's at the popcorn vendor when he tries to poison Giselle with the caramel apple. Yes. And then he's working at the Italian restaurant. So he's, you know, he's he's a jack of all trades. He's He's getting that bread. Do they pay him after just like a few hours of work? It's like, thank you. Here's some money. <laughs> Maybe he like pretends to be an immigrant and they pay him under the table in cash or something. I don't know. Oh. But yes, it's better if you don't think about it too much. Which I guess is true of most Disney movies. Like a lot of them, if you really analyze, it's like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. But like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. If you're just focusing on the main story, I feel like it works really well. Things, things tie together nicely. Yeah. Let me see if there's something else. In Happy Working Song, she rhymes lot of dumb with vacuum. Oh, I love that. Which is a great rhyme. Yeah, that song is amazing. That's very underrated. I feel like the first song and How Does She Know get all of the play, but Happy Working Song is really fun. I think that's one of the ones that's got the most like inside jokes and references to other things. Yeah, because there's so many, especially princess movies, but also like Mary Poppins, where they just like clean really quickly. Right. And like, so it's kind of like, yeah, Disney princesses have this power of just being able to clean an entire house in the time it takes to sing one musical number. Correct. As much as I feel like there's really no point to having Nerissa in this movie, like, I think we can agree that the real villain of this movie is the capitalist society. <laughs> the elements of having Nerissa is very funny like she's sort of like a discount Yzma because at Katz's is when she like appears in the pot of soup she's like I'm boiling in here which is a hilarious line I love that yeah and then I'm not sure if this is true but King Kong feels like the only movie that they reference that's like not a Disney property because Nerissa does kind of King Kong on the oh yeah whatever building when she's a dragon but the other easter eggs that I caught were all like Disney. Yeah, although I don't know that Disney owned Sound of Music at the time that this movie was made. I don't think they'd acquired Fox yet. Oh, okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. I want to know, going back, unfortunately, to the don't think about it too hard. I don't know why Nerissa cares if Edward and Giselle aren't together anymore. Because by the time she goes dragon, they've already decided not to be together. And like her whole point was like, I can't let Edward be married because then he's going to take over the throne i don't know why she's still pissed i think that like she's mad because everybody's happy for giselle and she's like oh okay. she's like no i want to be the center of attention oh, okay 
well, that's fair. This did not go how I planned. I'm mad. You should be scared of me because I still have power. Okay, I'll take it. Also, doesn't Edward say that he's going to dethrone her and exile her? Oh, because she because she tried to kill Giselle, maybe. Yeah, I think that he does say that. I think that that's why her objective has changed, clearly, and now she just wants to kill everyone. Now she's just mad, yeah. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's reasonable. I'll take that. I also love how punny she is when she's a dragon. Mm-hmm. There's so many. Just, like, she keeps going, and it's just, like, love it. Love it so much. Love those punny villains. They're so much better when they're funny. You know, they're not just angry. Yeah, I do. I do love that this movie allows Giselle to be like, you know, I said her touching the black woman's hair made me feel uncomfortable, but she is very like body positive because she when she sees the statue in the lobby of Robert's building, the like, you know, it's like a big statue of a naked fat woman and she's like oh she's so like she has to stop yeah and look at it and be like oh she's so beautiful which is like that's so nice like she's you know she's very inclusive of of everybody when she sees beauty and things yeah well and she wants to talk to the like old homeless man and he like smiles without teeth and she's like oh your smile is lovely yeah she really does see beauty in in all things yeah and i think that that's something that that is sort of underrated about those types of characters of like they're very naive and don't don't look into things but it's like it's so great to be able to see beauty in everything and the things that other people dismiss or don't want to look at and being like but yeah these are people these are other beautiful things yeah I really love her attitude just about life and she's just seems like she's so happy yeah she can turn situations around that don't seem like they're going very well and like she's she is surprised when the like rodents show up to help her clean instead of her normal friends but she's just like okay cool yeah these new friends yeah and it's like she sees beauty in the cockroaches and rats and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and the line about so friends even though you're vermin (laughs) right okay yeah and it's you know i think she's a really positive person but not like a toxic positivity Mm -hmm. she'll still listen to your problems and she'll still you know try to make you feel better if you're sad like i love her relationship with morgan because i mean you know i'm also uh non-biological parent to a six-year-old girl so that's like particularly moving to me at the moment but she's someone who's very lonely and looking for like companionship and someone who understands because I think as we said earlier with Robert like dealing with his grief he doesn't have the capacity really to deal with anybody else's emotions so Giselle is a really nice person to have in her life to you know not just try to paper over the pain but sit with her and actually try to make her feel better and remind her that you know there are good things as well as bad things in life yeah well and I think like Robert even says we don't talk about it like we don't talk about her mom and it seems like Morgan really wants to and like Giselle is willing to talk to her about it which is really nice yeah like asking her do you miss her and I'm here for you if you want to talk about it yeah which is I think really important yeah it is good that she's not just like everybody should be happy all the time it's like we should address these things that people need to talk about and don't just push down the sad emotions that's a good point yeah she's a great character yeah I love what they do with her in the sequel, too. I think that that's such an interesting thing to have her, like, slowly becoming evil, but trying really hard not to. Yes, like, she's aware of it, and she's like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. One thing, because I relate a lot to Giselle, I love the scene where she and Robert are having their, like, first real fight. And she's like, you're making me so... And she, like, can't name the emotion. And then she realizes what it is, and she's like, angry and she's so excited about it the first part is very me like not being able to admit it but I would not be excited about being angry (laughs) but she it's like it's this new exciting thing for her which is really fun yeah well because earlier we've established like because he says he's angry and she's like angry it's like have you heard I don't know what that is (laughs) she's like I've heard of it like she's never been angry before and so then she's like, wow, this is this is interesting. Now I'm angry. Yeah. And then she like punches him or something. I'm angry. He's like, are you okay? 
yeah oh man yeah there's a lot of really great moments in this movie that's how you know is like one of my all-time favorite musical numbers in a movie and i a lot of times when i watch this movie i go back and rewatch that scene a few more times because it's so good it's a truly perfect scene i have no notes it's amazing it's like just so great how all these different groups of people come together and do this amazing dance number well yeah it's it starts and he's like please please do not sing in public please do not sing to me in public and then the guys on the steel drums and they're like they know this song too (laughs) like where did you guys and he's like there's more like how how did you all learn this song which is very funny and then it he just like i there's nothing i can do it's gonna be a musical number and then it just it goes on and on. And there are so many fun little, like, like the old people. We love to see actors over 40 getting work. <laughs> yes. Again, from special features on the DVD, they talk about how, especially the old guys that, like, have the flowers. Mm-hmm. Some of them were chimney sweeps in Mary Poppins oh. and, like, in the West Side Story movie. And, like, they were, like, iconic dancers in their time. Oh. Oh, that's so fun so it's fun to like get to have them show up in this movie too mm-hmm. yeah and then you have the brides and you have the people in the canoe yeah there's like a mariachi band oh yes the mariachi band and the all the like workers that are like flipping around and yes the blue jumpsuit guys yeah in one of the interviews on the dvd amy adams is like that is the most scared i've ever been on a set was people flipping right in front of my face (laughs) and i just had to stand there smiling (laughs) oh no but yeah there's a great special feature on the dvd of like how that number came together and just showing all these different groups of people rehearsing that's so cool what i want to know is what day of the week is this? <laughs> because because Morgan went to school. So like, it's got to be a weekday. So what are all these people doing in the middle of the workday in Central Park? Um, I do. I love the German festival. I love like the maypoles and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then one thing I thought was funny is Rapunzel wasn't a Disney movie yet, but I think it would be, well, Princess and the Frog came next. But I wonder if they were, like, working on Rapunzel at the time, and that's why they had the girl in the park do Rapunzel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good point. I also love that moment when when Robert just, like, smiles and puts his hands out really sarcastically. I'm uh-huh. like, fine, I'll participate in this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really fun number. Yeah. Just It just keeps getting better. And then, like, right at the end, Robert's actually getting into it, and then he catches himself. He's like, wait, what? He's like, no, this is not, no, I'm not supposed to do that. And I think it's it's just it's such a great way of imagining like how you could do a musical number in the real world, because in Giselle's world in Andalasia, people just burst into song and there's magically music and it just happens. Well, and everybody knows the song, which is, you know, that's how they show that Giselle is like becoming more comfortable in reality is when Edward is like singing to her and he's like <laughs> and now you and and it's weird because she it's not like it was a conscious choice for her to not be singing because she seems really surprised he's like you're not singing and she's like oh I, I'm not like I think that that's really interesting that like showing that originally it was just so natural to her that she couldn't help herself and now she's sort of like oh I guess I would normally be singing now and I'm not Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's a great way of showing that and that Edward, even though he spends quite a bit of time in the real world, too, he never gets to that point. Right. He's never at all considering like changing. He's like, we're going back to Andalasia. That, that's where I belong. Right. And it's also it's the perfect line because he's like, you were made. The line is you were made to finish my duet. And she's like, but I'm but that's not. Yeah. That's not me. Like, you need to find somebody else. And then they go on their date that she's like trying desperately to extend so they don't have to leave. And she's like realizing like, this is not, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. It's so interesting how then like Narissa picks up on that and tells her that the apple will make her forget. It's not like, oh, this apple will make all your wishes come true or like whatever. It's just like, it will make you forget that you ever met Robert it will Mm -hmm. make you happy to go back with Edward and that's what she wants at that moment because she's like 
I have to go back because otherwise I'm going to be sad here. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 good. It's good. Mm -hmm. The writing is good. The acting is perfect. It's just it's a it's a good movie. It's great. I also really enjoy I, I think some of the Pip stuff gets a little bit tedious and like I don't love it but I do think it's very funny how he keeps trying to get Edward to understand him and he doesn't understand him until the end when he speaks in rhyme because mm -hmm. like the whole time Edward is trying to interpret it into a rhyme and then like at the end he says a rhyme and he's like oh of course I get it why didn't you say that in the first place and it's just so funny I don't it's like there's no reason why that should be but it's very funny I love Pip. I think in Andalasia, Pip, like talking in a New York accent is how I imagine all animals in her monologues are. <laughs> Just like very gruff, like, hey, I'm trying to be walked here. But also there are just so many like little, like if you're not paying attention or if you're not like focusing on what it is, it's not as funny. But like Nathaniel crucifies Pip. <laughs> On a on a pants hanger and then puts the do not disturb sign around his neck like that's and then he zip lines with the like everything about that sequence is so funny. And yeah, him like a very like Scooby-Doo-esque, like contorting his body into like being Giselle and then being Nathaniel and Edward's like, what are we talking about? If not me, like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how to focus on anybody else he does the whole thing of like acting out the poison apple thing and then Edward's just like you die without me here <laughs> it's like uh <laughs> how did you we're not focused on you right now buddy and then Nathaniel is so like he's so funny in that too because he knows exactly what Pip is mm -hmm. saying and he's just like very worried about it and it's like oh he's not getting it he's not getting yeah. it it's fine <laughs> right but still, he tries to, you know, suffocate Pip in the popcorn box. And well, he's gonna he's gonna kill him with a dinner knife too. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like I don't think that's sharp enough. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that's well, and especially compared to some of their other like live action animals that they've done more recently. Like Pip actually looks pretty good in this movie. He doesn't have to look like an actual chipmunk. I mean, he looks like a chipmunk. He doesn't have to be, like, hyper-realistic. Flounder in the new Little Mermaid, because that just came out, is very creepy. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need to look like that. Why? Why would they make them that creepy? I haven't seen it, but I'm, I've seen the, like... The promo pictures. Yeah. yeah. It's just, like, I, I don't know who this is for, really. Yeah. Because, like, we... Talking about our six-year-old, like we really wanted to take her because, you know, it's a, it's a black aerial and it's really impactful. And, you know, my partner wants to see it because she loves underwater and mermaids and stuff like that. And as, you know, a black woman, she's interested in seeing it. And we, you know, offered our child to take her. She was like, no, it looks scary, which like <laughs> valid. Yeah, it does. But then I don't, I don't know who this is for then because it's like, it's not an adult's movie because it's still the same story. Yeah. But the visuals are creepy. I mean, is it just counting on people that grew up watching the animated movie will want to watch it? But I'm like, you can still watch the animated movie. Correct. And there are three of those. Yeah. If I want to watch Little Mermaid, I'm going to watch the 1989 right. movie that launched the Renaissance. I'm not going to watch this live action one. Although I did see that there was a very cute thing with Jodie Benson and uh, Halle Bailey. Yeah. Jodie Benson was endorsing her and kind of like, it's so great that you get to do this too kind of thing. And yeah, Jodie has been lovely in her dress at whatever like premiere was really gorgeous. I just think she's a class act. She's good in whatever she does. She was obviously great in her little role as Sam in this movie but she's also the voice of Thumbelina she's also the voice of Ariel she's the voice of of the tour guide Barbie in Toy Story 2 yes <laughs> she does so many things and I think Barbie in Toy Story 3 is her too oh cool also so like she sang like bible songs on cds that I had growing up oh my god so like I listened to her singing it's like songs from the beginner's bible so there's like these bibles with like stories that are distilled down for like uh-huh 
preschoolers and so they would like they had songs that were kind of based on those bible stories that Jody Benson was singing so like think of her as as the voice of my childhood in these like Aww. random songs there was this one song about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that I loved as a kid and I like made up this whole dance to it that's one of the most jam things I've ever heard Yes. So Jody Benson also sang the song of my childhood. Okay. I think it was right before The Little Mermaid 2 came out, which I don't remember exactly when that was, but like maybe like early 2000s. 2000-ish. Yeah, right around then. So she was like performing at a mall near me. And like my parents took us, my siblings and me, and they didn't tell us that she was going to be there. They were just like, we're just going to the mall. And then, like, she was, like, performing. And oh my gosh. so my brother was really little and really into Little Mermaid. And so so we had seen her perform. Wow. Because I remember she was talking about Little Mermaid, too, and, like, explaining what it was going to be about. I just remembered that she said, like, that Ariel and Eric have a daughter. Oh. And so someone asked, is she a mermaid or is she a person? And, and Jody Benson said, well, she's both. It's funny, I have this memory of Jodie Benson specifically promoting Little Mermaid 2 at this random mall near my house. So That's so fun. Well, it's funny. So we just moved into a new building, as you know, and our new building has a pool and the pool just opened yesterday and they have, for whatever reason, because residents are not allowed to have like big pool floaties or anything, but they have these inflatable dolphins in the pool. And first there was one and my partner decided that his name was Eric or <laughs> um, in, in dolphin language, but right. Americanized to Eric. So then we found a second one. So I was like, well, if his name is Eric, then his girlfriend has to be Ariel. And then there now there are two little ones. So we said Ariel, Eric and Melody. And then the other child one is named Andante because we thought that that would be a good name to go with Melody. (laughs) (laughs) So we named them, we named our little pool dolphins yesterday. A little Disney, a little Mamma Mia. Yeah, perfect. Which, you know, I love both of those things. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Mamma Mia 2 did not get enough views to make it on here because it's too new. But uh, I have seen it many times (laughs) because it only came out a few years ago. Yes. But yeah, and The Little Mermaid did not make it into my top 40 either, but we get to talk about it a little bit. It's still a great movie. I think some of the best songs in the Disney canon are in that movie. If only you had started keeping track at birth. (laughs) I know, right? Maybe you would have made it. Yeah, well, I definitely didn't watch it nearly as much as my brother did. Yeah, that's fair. But there will be more Disney to come on here. Did you have a favorite princess, Jane? Um. Yes, it would have been Belle. That makes sense. That tracks. I was going to say maybe either Belle or Pocahontas because I know you liked Pocahontas. I did really like Pocahontas. I think I really liked Pocahontas because I really liked John Smith's hair. That was like the thing that I really liked about that movie when I saw it as a kid. That's funny. And now I'm like, that movie is kind of very problematic. Yeah. But, um, it has good songs, though. Yeah. I think I was very anti-Pocahontas because I grew up in Virginia. Mm. So I was very anti-Felicity Merriman, the American girl, and anti-Pocahontas because I was like, this is, no, I learn about this in school. I'm not, I'm not interested. My favorite princess was Ariel Mm. and I had Little Mermaid pajamas and I very distinctly remember like being in the kiddie pool as a child and like doing the like doing cobra pose essentially oh, yeah. in the pool and like being like, oh my God, I look so cool. And I'm sure I looked like a drowned rat, <laughs> just like trying to flip my hair back and pretend like I was bouncing on a rock. But now I think it's probably Cinderella or Rapunzel. I mean, I, I still love Ariel, but I think, yeah, I think Cinderella has edged her out as I've gotten older, which is for a lot of the same reasons that we like Giselle, because she's just very kind and soft-spoken and She's not denying that she has issues, but she is willing to work through them. Yeah. Which I think is really powerful. Yeah, definitely. I was not into the Disney Cinderella because I grew up watching the Rodgers and Hammerstein, Leslie and Warren Cinderella. Yep. And so I was like, that's the good version. And mm-hmm. the animated version is the bad version, <laughs> which I don't know why. They, they can both be good. Like there's so many versions of Cinderella. Yeah. I think there are so many different Cinderella's 
to choose from. There's Eileen Woods, there's Leslie Ann Warren, there's Julie Andrews, there's Brandy, which is a one that I love. There's Lily James, which is another one that I love. Yeah, I think they're all so different. I think, you know, it's it's hard for there to be a right one because they're yeah they're just all really special you get all the modern retellings of of cinderella too there's just been so many versions of that story so back to enchanted it's nice that it's like a combination of all of those Mm -hmm. fairy tale stories i do think it's it's very funny the part when when they're having the weird conversation when they're shopping and Morgan's worried about having a stepmother and mm-hmm. Giselle's like they're not all horrible Edward has one <laughs> it's like um that's not a good example <laughs> I've never met her but I'm sure she's lovely yeah and then she immediately like shows up and is like trying to kill you yeah it's like um that was not a good example of uh, <laughs> of a good good stepmother and then that in the sequel they talk about that whole thing even more than like because she's the stepmother she must be evil Mm -hmm. it's just very interesting yeah but anyway so we talked about a lot of things that weren't all directly connected to this movie it's tangential that's fine yeah because the thing is that like when my brother and i were younger we wrote this story called taking over the disney castle and we like (laughs) made it so that all the disney characters were living in this castle together and it was run by the beast from beauty and the beast certainly the best landlord disney has to offer (laughs) there was some villain i think there were actually several villains that had like different plots to try and kill the beast and take over the castle and so then it was like all these different characters from all these different disney movies were like together and it was it was like basically fan fiction but it was just like silly and we actually like had printed it out and got it bound and it was like in the elementary school library for a little bit oh my gosh (laughs) and so that would have been like not too long before this movie came out and so then when it came out i'm like wow this is like basically what i wanted to do is like combine all the disney stories but this makes way more sense than our (laughs) story (laughs) and also we had like one of ariel's sisters be important in it except the name that we gave her was not actually the name (laughs) of one of the sisters well, she could have been in the new one because they changed all the names of her sisters, which is fine. They're like named after the seven seas, mm. I think is the point. But, you know, nothing comes between me and my starts and ends with a sisters. Right. I do wish the sisters were better developed. We get a little bit of that in the third one. Mm-hmm. But anyway, talking way more about Little Mermaid in <laughs> conversation than about Enchanted, it seems like. You would think Jodie Benson played the lead in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Jodie Benson is the best part of any movie yes. that she's in. Okay. The one thing that I don't understand is why does Giselle put that fish in her mouth? I wish I knew. I also, so, okay. So the lore that they talk about in Disenchanted is that she was like a foundling and the forest creatures raised her. So I guess that makes sense as to like, a, why she has a kinship with animals, and B, maybe why she doesn't know a lot of fish, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of water situation was like in the forest. I don't know if there were a lot of, like, freshwater fish. But what I don't understand is, like, why she's so trusting of humans then, if, like, Edward is the first human that she's ever met. He must not be. Like, she must have met other humans at some point. Like, she's aware of humans. Right. She she can speak English. Yeah. That's one of those things. Like, you can't examine that plot hole too closely. I mean, I guess she has no reason not to be trusting of humans because she's never been betrayed by one, except for her parents, I guess. I I don't know. There's so many mysteries in this movie. So true. But yeah, you, you can't think about it too hard. And like, why would there be a portal that goes through a manhole in the middle of the street? Like, I... Right. I don't know. But it doesn't really matter. The point is it is. And that meant that Giselle and Robert found each other. Yes, that is true. And they're happy. Happy ever after. Forever and ever. (laughs) I do think it's really funny whenever someone just says forever that she has to add and ever. Like, is there a forever that's not and ever? Like, there's different levels of forever. It's like, just to be sure. (laughs) Just so we're on the same page. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. 
but yes i love her she's such a great character and yeah that really makes the movie i feel like that we really needed a really good giselle at the center of the movie and it's perfect amy adams is the perfect giselle yes so good job amy adams if you're listening (laughs) you did almost as well as jody benson (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up i feel bad that i don't have more interesting things to say but it's just it's it's truly just a great movie it is it's it is fantastic no i think we covered everything that i wanted to talk about anyway okay thank you for having me on well thank you so much for being here and uh yeah if if you want to come back for a future movie that would be great talk about something else later i'm always happy to be on your podcast jane well i'm very happy to have you thank you thank you very much to sophie for that delightful conversation and thank you to everyone else for listening i had so much fun over analyzing this movie and i hope you all did too and with that we are now halfway through my top 40 list All of the movies to come are those I've seen at least 20 times, so when I started this I thought about just talking about the 20 movies I watched at least 20 times in 20 years, but I'm glad I decided to talk about numbers 21 through 40 as well. I feel like I've already learned so much about myself and movies and storytelling from this project, and I'm so grateful to have you listeners along on this journey with me. I hope you'll enjoy the top 20 list. Next up is another fairy tale inspired story from the 2000s, and I will be joined by another special guest, so stay tuned for that. As always, I will leave you with a quote from that next movie. Look, I think it's only fair to warn you that I'm practiced in the ancient art of origami.